Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. You know, in my few short years of being alive, I just turned 31, and if I believed everything I heard or read on the news, I would believe that we are living in the darkest point in human history, if I believed it. But praise be to God, the Father of all grace, that we pull from a different source. That we have a different source of news. That we have a different source of information coming at us. And today we're going to be looking at Romans 8. 31 through 39. And um, you guys can be turning there. I'm going to have it up on the screen. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. But what I, I want to just, I want to set the stage for what's going to happen today. Let me speak this into your life. Today, you are going to walk out of here encouraged. Today, you are going to walk out of here with a new perspective. Today, you're going to walk out of here knowing what God thinks about you. Because the reality is, there are so many voices that pour into our lives. Don't, don't we all agree? I, I, I know that, that um, there's not a shortage, shortage of opinions. There might be a shortage on beef, but there's not a shortage, shortage of opinions in our nation today, um, we, 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 we get into a pandemic and suddenly everyone's a medical expert. Um, we, we get into a, a state of racial tension and suddenly everyone's a sociologist with, um, with, with, with a degree in, in, in uh, ethnicities. But we need to know what the Word of God says. Not just to us, but about us. Because we are living in a time we are constantly labeled, if you go against the grain of what things, uh, of, of what people think, you get labeled instantly. And I, I, want, I, want to, I want to speak to this and remind you of what God says about you and how God thinks about you, whether you've been labeled, I, I've been labeled all sorts of things growing up. You can't help it, but in human history, and I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about, like, throughout your life, you've been labeled. You've been labeled. You have. And that's just the truth. When, when you're in school, guess what? You probably got labeled. I got labeled as a jock. I got labeled as a know-it-all. Oh, really? I could Amy's like, yeah, you still are. No, uh, I got labeled a lot of things. And, and what happens is, what, we, what do we do with the things that we're labeled? What do we do with this information that we're told? If you think this way, if you vote that way, if you do this, you do that, you know, you, whatever, you get labeled. If you act a certain way, you get labeled. The, the reality is, what does God say about His people? And that's the opinion that we need to focus on 
this morning. So today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. And let me tell you, I'm actually very intimidated to speak to you guys about Romans chapter 8. Because Romans, even though we're just doing eight short verses, the last eight verses of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 is called the Great Eight. And the reason why is because, in my opinion, Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. Period. It explains the, 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 the crucifixion and the resurrection and the three theological ramifications thereof. So, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John explain what Jesus did physically for us, Romans and Galatians, uh, but Romans chapter 8 um, especially explains what that did for us spiritually and theologically. So if you want, if you like, I don't know what to read, I'm really discouraged or whatever, go read Romans chapter 8. It's one of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible. It launches with, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and it ends with what can separate us from the love of God. And what's in between there? Well, let, let's, let's just think about this. It says, because of the life-giving Spirit, we are able to cry out, Abba, to God. That, that means like a very endearing father, like almost like a daddy, like a baby would cry out daddy to their, to their father. That, that, that's what Romans chapter 8 says. Then it goes on to say, we're not just sons of God, we're co-heirs with Christ. It gives us an identity. We're, we're, we are grafted into this family and we're co-heirs with Christ. So all the blessing that Christ gets, we get to be a part of it. We're, Jesus is our big brother. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. And then we, we keep going in Romans chapter 8. And then, then it says that we know this. That in all this, God works together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So it not only says that, you know, it talks about in persecution and different things like that. But then Paul takes and says, God works everything together for the good of those who love God. That's all in Romans chapter 8. And then it says, not only that, right after that, it turns around and says, man, you are chosen by God. You are predestined to serve. Like, God chose you. And then we launch in to this section of Scripture that we're going to read today. And, and let, let's go ahead and look at it. And Paul says, he, he says, oh, there, there's a lot of repeating going on, but he says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If you look at the whole of Romans, all of Romans leads up to Romans chapter 8, Romans 1 through 7. Wow, that's really good math. That's amazing. 1 through 7 does lead up to 8. Um, you're right, Ryan. I didn't think that through before I said it, but the content of Romans 1 through 7 builds into this chapter. Of Romans chapter 8. And then after Romans chapter 8, the tone of Romans actually changes. In fact, all of, if you go read, Romans chapter 8 it is the first time the Holy Spirit's even mentioned in the whole book of Romans. It is a very theological heavy chapter, but Paul says, what shall we say about such things? It's like amazing things. Just go read it. It's powerful. It is powerful. He, but in hermeneutics, which is 
how to study the Bible. They teach you a couple things. And I'm like, today, I, can, can I just, can I teach a little bit? I, I want to I give us some good Bible reading tools, okay? So one of the things that, that hermeneutics would teach us is if something is repeating, you need to pay attention. If, if, if there's a series of questions, what are they rhetorical questions? What are they doing? So Paul, in the, in the first six verses of what we're going to look at today, he asked seven questions. He's asking a lot of questions. And on top of that, you're going to notice, and I have it highlighted in different color, but there are five, four us statements in eight verses. There are 10 just, just us alone statements in eight verses. And that brings us to a total of 15. You see how fast I did that? Not bad. Um, that brings us to a total of 15, the word us, used in eight verses. So my brain, when I'm reading through this and how just how it's been drilled into me, when I start seeing things like that repeat over and over and over, God's trying to communicate something. And this is really actually a good uh, tool to use. And, and then that's why I was actually talking to someone earlier. Like, if, if, if you just do the verse a day, that's great. There's not a wrong way to read the Bible. But I would encourage you to read larger sections of the Bible because you might miss out on Bible reading tools like this of seeing repetition and seeing little things like that in the Bible that really speak to us. Because what we're going to see here is that God is about us. God is for us and God is with us. And this is one of the most encouraging chapters, most encouraging sections in everything that's going on today. I want us to hear what God says about you. And then we're going to ask a couple questions to help us today. So it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. Woo, let's repeat that, because I, I, I just, I feel like some of us are under accusation. I feel like some of us are being condemned today. Let's just, let's just reread re this. Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own everyone say it together no one for God himself given has given us right standing with himself that's called justification you can't get right standing with God any other way only God can give you right standing with himself so for God himself has given us right standing with himself who then will condemn us everyone no one who then will condemn us no one for christ jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the right place of honor in the place of honor at god's right hand pleading for Can anything ever separate from Christ's love? 
doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity. I think this, this is one of those questions we need to really pay attention to because what do we find ourselves in today? Trouble or calamity? Let's, like trouble or, or, or are persecuted? Or are hungry? Or are destitute? Or are in danger? Or threatened with death? Now, Paul's writing to an audience 2,000 years ago, so this clearly doesn't apply to us today. I just want, I want to point that out. It's for audience 2,000 years ago in, in, in Roman times. So clearly this has no standing for, for an American audience 2,000... I hope you hear my sarcasm. It's almost like the Holy Spirit knew that we would need this one day. It's almost like he's omniscient and he knows all things and he knows exactly where we're going to be right when we need to hear it. Doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. No! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. So a lot of translations, if you're reading along, it says, no, in spite of all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want to give context to what's going on. Because we are facing persecution. We are going through calamity. We are in, de we are in destitution. But when Paul wrote this, he's writing to a church whose emperor at the time would take and dip Roman or Christians in oil and light them on fire and then hang them as lights for his garden. We're not that persecuted. I want to put context around it. But he's still saying overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus because no matter what we go through, we have victory. The world, this is what infuriates Satan. This is what infuri infuriates the world. They can't take our victory away because it was won 2,000 years ago through the death and resurrection of Christ. They can't take it away because we know to live as Christ, to die is gain. So even if they take our life, we just start living even better. We, we, I, they, they can't take our victory. And it infuriates the enemy. So he's going to try his best. In the Bible, Paul, not Paul, Jesus straight up says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then he says, no student is greater than the teacher. If they hated me, they're going to hate you too. And sometimes I think in our, our, in our American little bubble that we, we, we forget those moments. We're going to be hated, but that's okay. We're called to love our enemies. And, and when I think about this scripture right here, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. I can't help but think of a boxing match. So... You, in, in a boxing match or MMA fight, whatever you guys choose to watch, um, a guy gets in to the ring or the octagon or whatever, and they go to town and they well on each other. They just punch each other. And, and um, 
Honestly, I'm not a fan of, of, of either or. Um, I, I took martial arts a little bit growing up and, and stuff, but I've never really been into boxing, but I was into Rocky, and I discovered Rocky's the worst boxer ever because he defended his face like this, and he just got punched in the head over and over. It was like, just go watch Rocky. It's horridly funny, you know, but uh, the, the Russian in Rocky's is like, it's like hitting a steel trap or what, like, however he says it because he just keeps punching him in the head and he's not doing anything. But I think about boxing, though, when I think about this, because the boxer gets in there and he goes to town against his opponent and he's punching him in the face and they're, they're swapping blows. And at the end of the day, you'll have a KO or TKO when, or, or whatever. And, and, and they, they land that blow and the guy falls, and they do the 10 count, and then you, and you know, like uh, a couple years ago, there was a, a MMA fighter that fought a boxer, and, and the loser got $30 million out of the deal. The winner got like, uh, like more, like $50 million to, to win that fight, okay? So guess what? They walk in, and the ref is holding that guy's arms up like this, and no, no doubt, I mean, they're, they're fighting with like two pounds on their, 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 their hands, and the ref is holding his hand up, and then they walk in, and they give him this giant check, you know, that, that, that says the amount of which they won, and the, and the boxer just trying to smile through a closed eye and a bloody lip, and he's like, Adrian, you know, like whatever. Um, but he's holding, he's holding that check, and guess the more, you know who the, like, he's a conqueror. He's a conqueror, but know who the more than conqueror is? It's his wife that steps into the ring and gets up on the other end of the check and she gets to hold the check with them and smile. That's the more than conquer. That's the overwhelming victory because guess what? He did all, all the work, but she gets to spend all the money. She gets the benefits of, of it. And that's what Jesus did for us. He did all the work and we get all the benefits. That's why overwhelming victory is ours. That's why we are more than conquerors. That's what Jesus did for us. He went to the cross. He went to he 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 went into the boxing ring with death and he dealt a death blow to death. He put death to death. And then now we get to step in and we get to have overwhelming victory. Because Christ, we get the we we get the benefits of what Jesus did for us. For us. Let's keep going. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Man, I can't help but think about Paul and everything that this guy went through for the Lord. He, this guy, he, he, he got... They, they, they took him outside the city and, and, and stoned him. And they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. He got up. And he didn't die. And, and yet, then he got flogged several times. He got shipwrecked. He got put in prison for years upon years. In fact, half the new, God, FYI, God does really good work in prison. So um, um, he wrote half the New Testament letters from a prison cell. And he was convinced. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I just... I, I'm, a, I'm trying to filter. I'm trying to filter. I'm not good at it. But I see people say stuff like, well, we can gather in Lowe's or Walmart. We can't gather in the church. And we, we, we feel like we're so persecuted. And 
But Paul had the right perspective. Perspective will trump persecution. And he had the perspective. I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. Nothing. Like, just just repeat after me. Nothing can separate us from God's love. I think some of us need to say that every day. Every waking moment. Just remind us. Nothing. Temptation can't separate you. Sin can't separate you. If sin can separate you, Christ's sacrifice would, would be worthless. But it can't separate you. Persecution can't separate you. Mistakes can't separate you. Nothing can separate you. We need to convince ourselves of this. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever, that's a big word, ever, be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul asks, in six verses he asks seven rhetorical questions. Now a rhetorical question is something where he already knows the answer so he doesn't need any input. Um, and he answers it for us. Because what I, what I find interesting about those seven, uh, those seven questions that, that he asks is there's still questions that we ask ourselves today. There's still things that we wrestle with in our hearts today. And Paul answered. And so what, what I want to do today, I, I want to be encouraging to you, and I, I hope I am, but I really want us to walk out encouraged because we, we're, we're in a moment in time where we need to be encouraged by the Word of God and be reminded of the truth of God's Word because we have so many different opinions going on around us. We have so many different things begging for our attention, begging for our ears, and the enemy wants nothing more than just a whisper. So often we think the enemy is going to come in and, and be really... Um, flamboyant. No, he doesn't come in like that. He comes in looking like cable news. <laughs> he comes in looking like a Facebook post. He comes in looking like that person that just needs to vent. He comes in looking like a lot of different things, and he's always trying to get our ears so he could plant into our heads and if we're not filled with the Word of God, we're not filled with what God says about us, for us, then we will we'll let it grow. He comes in sounding like bitterness or looking like bitterness or unforgiveness. He comes in in all different sorts of flavors and, and things that we like, too. Stuff like, oh, I'm just so mad about this. You know, like stuff that he knows that will we'll, we'll rise up against. And, but it doesn't look like Jesus. And so I, I, I want to pose two questions to you. 
And the first question I want to ask today in light of Romans 8, knowing what God says about us and knowing what God has done for us, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? Because I had an experience this week where I, um, I had to fight my thoughts a lot. A lot. And it was concerning my daughter. So Wednesday morning, um, this guy had to go to uh, an allergy person and get tested to find out whether she was allergic the peanuts are not, and because we've had some, you know, experiences with her, and we just, the first time we gave her, we gave her a, a puppy chow, you know, you guys know, like, the, the things that are covered in powdered sugar, filled with chocolate and peanut butter that are from God Almighty, I'm pretty sure that's what manna was, um, don't quote me on that, I have no, I'm just saying it was amazing. And she didn't have a reaction, so we gave her like a PB&J. She broke out in a little rash. This is like a couple years ago. And then the next time, she just woke up in the middle of the night and threw up. And then this, um, but, but our doctor in Sedalia was like, well, I don't think she's allergic to peanuts. And so we're like, whoa, I don't know. There's kind of a coincidence here. And so like we never just had the money to test her and all this stuff. But a bunch of th things were going on, and so we just never just gave her peanut butter after that. And then a, a nurse told us, well, put a little bit on her skin, see if she breaks out in a rash, and she didn't. And this was like probably four months ago. And so I was like, well, let's just give her a little peanut butter. And we gave her a little peanut butter, and then like she goes, like, like 30 seconds in, she goes, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now I'm, I'm scared to death. So I'm like, Amy's on the phone. I'm like, I'm like trying to shovel, we have Peyton. Um, one of us has to go to the emergency room. We don't have an EpiPen. All this stuff is going on. And so I just pick her up, and I just said, the only thing I know to do, prayer is the only thing that can change anything. I said, in the name of Jesus, breathe. And she goes, I'm okay. And she just ran off. I'm telling you. I'm like, praise God. And Amy and I, Amy's on the phone with the doctor, and they're like, get her to the ER. And we're like, she's fine. Like, it, she, she, it just, it's fine. And so that scared us. Obviously, no parent ever wants a child to have anything wrong. And so um, I, I say all this just to, to be transparent. So we went and had her tested. And I, I had the, the board, which uh, I asked them to pray for a lot of things. We have a great board, guys. We really do. Um, we have... Uh, we have a great staff. I asked the staff to pray with us. And um, the test came back that she's allergic to pistachios, cashews, and, and peanuts. And so they told us to avoid all of it. So, okay, I'm like, okay, I hear that. I don't want to believe that. But what does the enemy do? The enemy steps in and, you know, he has this voice that sounds like reason, but it's called fear. And he steps in like, your daughter will never be able to live a normal life. You're going to have to watch everything. You're going to have to train. Like, all these things are going through my head. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I'm crying. 
I don't want this to happen. I'm, I, and then finally, I'm just God, I, just, I'm, I literally said, shut up. Just shut up, Ryan. Get out of my head. And the, the Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And so I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? When I started thinking about Scripture and what's going on, the, and I'm working on this message, and Romans 8.28 says, God works together all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It's either I believe the voice of fear or I believe the voice of God. No, I'm, I'm going to say, no, 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 I, I believe this is the voice of God, and God's working this. And nothing happens, uh, like, there's, all, there's a reason behind everything, and God's going to work a miracle. They're going to test her again in two years, and I'm, I'm praying, I'll ask you guys to pray with me. I'm praying that she won't, she'll test negative, that she won't be allergic to anything. God can do that. And so, but like, but fear was going to worst case scenario instantly. That's all it does. It, it, it like, like instantly, I was like, oh, my daughter will never be able to do this, this. I'm like, dude, it's a, it's a nut allergy. Kids all over the United States have nut allergies. And they, they're not limited by anything. You know what I'm saying? Who really likes cashews and pistachios to begin with? Come on. I mean, peanut butter is pretty awesome, but you know what? So she'll never eat a Reese's cup, at least for two more years. Um, you still get the best part of that is chocolate. So, I mean, like, uh, whenever we listen to the wrong voice, it will instantly lead us to the wrong conclusion. When we listen to the voice of fear, and, and all we've been piped for the last three months is fear, fear, fear the coronavirus, fear going in public, fear gathering in groups, fear social, I mean like fear, 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 fear. That's what we've been given. I'm not saying that we should, like clearly we, we have things that we're trying to honor. And I'm not saying that we throw caution to the wind. I think we should serve the Lord with, with our mind and use wisdom. Like, so don't go around licking doorknobs, all right, guys? Or toilet seats. I had a youth leader in my last church at camp. She made a game of it, but she will lick people's elbows. And that's the grossest thing in the world. She's like, I got 17. I'm like, you need a straight jacket, dude. You know, like... We use wisdom, but we can't give to fear. And we got we to gotta take and listen to what God says. What does God, God, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. So you got to take and do a, a side-by-side -side comparison. Okay, God is for me. God's not condemning me. God, uh, overwhelming victory is mine. So what, what are the voices coming into my head? What, what is going on? And it might not just be external sources. Because right now, I've been, I've, been, I've been saying about the voices coming in. What about the voices that are already there? And we all have voices in our head. I'm not the only crazy one in here. I know Phil does. Um, but we, we all have voices in our head. And they all say different things to us. And, and they, they, try to, they try to grab us. They try to make us bitter. They try to make us unforgiving. They, try, they, they work against the Holy Spirit in us. And that's when we got to take captive every thought that goes through. Because who we listen to and what we listen to will determine the lens of which we look through.
So if we're constantly looking through a lens of, say, fear, then we're going to be a scary cat about everything. But we can't just walk around saying, well, I'm not going to get anything or I'm not, no, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm not going to go and say, okay, Sky, well, I, I spread mayonnaise on your sandwich after I spread peanut butter on my, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. Wisdom would say, don't cross-contaminate, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm not going to push the envelope, but I'm not going to live in fear. We have got to listen to what God's Word says. It has got to take priority over every other thing in our life. It has got to, it, it, like when, when we read Romans 8, look at, at, at the 15 times in 8 verses where God is directing his attention to us. And he's saying, I love you. I'm for you. I'm not condemning you. That's what we need to be focusing on. Because I guarantee you, every one of us has had thoughts this week that have been discouraging, that have been depressing, that have filled your heart with anxiety. Man, even this morning, I was driving to church. I'm, pr- I'm praying. Praying like, Lord, I need my mind right. Like, I need, because I'm having all sorts of weird thoughts and, and just thoughts of, uh, I mean, just dangerous thoughts, honestly. And, uh, and I'm playing out the, the thing is, when we listen to the wrong voice, we start playing out false narratives. We, 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 we write a whole script for something that won't happen. We do that all the time. You're like, a person looks at you wrong, and then suddenly you know that person's backstory because you just wrote a script for them. You know? That <laughs> we, we do it, these, these, these false narratives, and that's what happens. And so finally, I, just, I literally said out loud this morning in the car as I'm praying about today, I said, God, I am not going to let fear dictate my decisions. And I think it's no coincidence that the enemy was attacking my mind as I'm talking about the mind and what we listen to. And so what are we listening to? And the next question is, what are we focusing on? Because what we listen to will directly tie in to what we focus on. And I could literally hold up this piece of paper, I can ask, um, what do you guys see on it? And uh, I think there, this literally, there's nothing on this paper. But someone would go, I see a crease. Or, you know, instead of just saying, I see a white piece of paper. Maybe you guys can't see a crease, but there is a crease in it. We, we so often, we so often focus on the smallest little thing. We focus on the, the tiny little details and, and uh, we let it dictate our life instead of focusing on the overall picture, saying, wow, that's beautiful. We, we like to look at um, the rearview mirror instead of looking out the front window. You know how small that rearview mirror is compared to the front window. And uh, we, we like to do that. And what we, what we think dictates what, what we focus on. And my challenge for us today is to focus on the Word of God. Let it transform us by living it out, by, by quoting it. I don't, I don't care what you have to do to get it in you. 
but get it in you because we have so many different opinions. So a couple years ago, and I might have shared this before, but um, I'm, I'm going to go with you through a history of my cell phones. So I started off with a little Motorola Crazer. I love that phone. I still have it somewhere in my kid's playroom. I charged it up the other day, and get this, the battery lasted a week. <laughs> like, it was amazing, but I couldn't send text messages with it because it was a T9 thing. I was never good at that. My next phone was Samsung's first attempt at a touchscreen phone, and it was really cool, but you had to calibrate it. You had to push here, 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 and so I'd go to type on the, word, the letter A, and it would hit like T. I'm like, ah, and so I can't tell you how many times that phone got introduced to the wall. Um, and they became vast friends, and then I had an LG, like I think it was called View for a little bit, which the touchscreen worked better half the time. Uh, but then I bumped up, and both of those phones, I got to tell you, they had a two gigabyte micro SD card in them. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have enough memory to last me the rest of my life with this two gigabyte micro SD card in my phone. It was amazing. Then I bought an iPhone 4, and get this, guys, 16 gigabyte of memory. Oh my, and this might be a foreign language, but 16 gigabyte of memory, that's 1,000, a gigabyte is 1,000 megabytes, and so uh, I was able, like the touchscreen on the iPhone was infinitely better than the other ones, I was able to text easily, all this stuff, and I thought, I'll never fill this up. Well, after a couple of years, I got an iPhone 5 with a bigger screen, still 16 gigabytes of memory, and I never actually filled up the memory on my iPhone 4 or iPhone 5. Well, like three, four years went by, and then they came out with the iPhone 6S Plus, and it had a really good camera, and I started using it for video announcements with the youth group and doing a lot of video stuff. And so I ended up upgrading to the 6S Plus because I had a bigger screen, better camera, all this stuff, and guess what? 64 gigabytes of memory. I'm telling you, I never thought I would fill that memory up. But about a year into owning that phone, it said I could not receive a text message because my memory was too full. And I thought, what? What? 64 gigabytes. So I realized a couple things. I went into my phone settings. I realized I had about, I don't know, 10,000 photos and about eight years of text messages. I was so filled with my past and past conversations and that I couldn't receive new. And, I, and what I'm getting at is sometimes we can, we, we can listen to old voices and old things and focus on the wrong stuff. I could, I could look at old pictures of my past all day long, but I couldn't take another picture. I couldn't I couldn't. I could not receive a current text message. I had to delete all that junk out of my phone. And now I have it set up to where uh, it automatically deletes after a year. But I had to delete all that stuff so I could focus on what's most important. What's, mo what, what's most important. And, and I, I think so often in, in, our, in our walk, in our, in, our, in our talk with God and everything, we, we get filled up with messages 
from other sources. We get filled up with, with things that, that um, don't matter a hill of beans. I had conversations that were on my phone that were 10 years old that didn't add to my life at all. There's only one conversation that adds to my life. It's Jesus and my wife in that order. And, and, but what I'm getting at is sometimes we, we got to take and delete some stuff. We got to get rid of some stuff out of our life in order to receive because we can be so filled up with yesterday's stuff, so filled up with yesterday's conversation, so, so focused on that, that we are not even able to receive when God wants to speak into us because we keep looking to the past. We keep focusing on the wrong conversations. We keep focusing on the wrong people. We keep focusing on the wrong relationships. We keep running back to the wrong things. And, and, and what, I'm, what I want us to do is to refocus on God and His Word in a time where we need more encouragement than ever before in our life. We've been locked up for two months and told not to be around people. We need to be around Jesus so we can properly be around people right now because we're seeing the after effects of tension we're seeing the after effects of loneliness we're seeing the after effects of anxiety all play out within our world and we're also seeing the effects of a world that is so deprived of Jesus and in order for us to give Jesus properly to the world we got to be focusing on him we got to be listening to what he says about us. About us. He says, God is for us. Who can be against us? Who condemns us? Who's attacking us? Who's coming after us? No one. No one. And I know that I needed that this week. Because I've been letting... Fear, run rampant. I've been, I've been playing out hypotheticals in my mind. God, what if, what if this or what if that? And God's like, no, 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 no. Don't focus on that. Focus on me. So, Ben, if you would, focus on me. And today, I want to take just some time, just some time to Maybe take a moment in your seat or as you're worshiping to ask yourself, what am I focusing on? What am I listening to? Because right now, right now, the church needs to be present in the world more than it ever has. I, I, I truly believe that, that, that we are we're at a crux and I, I don't believe the church is going to fail because the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But I do believe that we, we have an opportunity to shed things from before and to step into a purpose that God has for us. But we can't do that if we're listening to everyone else. We have one shepherd. We have one Lord. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he wrote us a, a, he wrote us a book filled with 66 books. And we got to get that in our mind. We got to get that in our heart in order to properly speak to the nation of where it's at. Because it's real easy as we listen to the news, as we listen to 
I don't care what news source you listen to, whether it be CNN, MSN, CBS, Fox, um, I don't know, Netflix, Disney. I don't care what news source, your Facebook. It's real easy to let American rise up in us. It's real easy to let everything else rise up in us. It's real easy to get opinions. It's real easy to get and forget that we got to serve Jesus first and let him speak into us, transform us so we can make a difference in this world because I'm not going to beat the drum I beat last week, but I will say we are the answer to the world. We, we got to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but the only way we can make disciples of Jesus Christ is by looking like Jesus Christ. And uh, so be encouraged because God is for you. God is with you. And today, maybe the, maybe you're here today and you say, I haven't been listening to God's voice. I've been wrestling with a bunch of different things in my heart. I've been wrestling with anger. I've been wrestling with depression. I've been wrestling with with anxiety. I've been wrestling with fear. I've been let, I've been listening to the voice of fear a lot. I've been playing out worst case scenario a lot. You know how you know how you could tell if it's fear? If, if if it instantly goes to worst case scenario, it really that's all it does. Fear doesn't have like a series of steps where it goes, okay, logical. Logical. No, fear is like um, your daughter has a peanut allergy. She's going to eat a tub of peanut butter and not be ever, ever be able to, you know, like, that's what fear does. It, 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 it skips all the logic and reason and goes worst case scenario. And I, I think especially with the pandemic, we've been, think, we've been playing fear out a lot. Fear. Oh, what if I do this and I get this? What if I scratch my nose? What if I... I'm not, I'm not saying not use wisdom, but I'm saying is we, we can't let things dictate our life. Wisdom, God, God's called us out of that. Not wisdom, but fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Anxiety kind of plays off of fear. fear. Fear steps in and then anxiety steps in. And guess what? Suddenly, your worst-case scenario will be like, "Oh, I can't do anything to prevent this. I can't. I, I can't do. I, I can't change anything. Oh, what? 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 <laughs> You're right. You can't. So why are you worrying? If you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it. Guess who can though? God. What? 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 Power, love, and a sound mind does is it calms that anxiety, and it redirects us to God, saying, "Okay, you know what? I, I can't change my circumstance." I can't change that, there, that, that, that everyone has an opinion about everything that's going on in my life. But what can I do? I can listen to God. I can listen to his wisdom. I can listen. I can, I can open my word or his word. I, I, I can. That, that's, that's, what, that's what power, love, and a sound mind. It, it gives us power to say, no, you, you can shut up now, anxiety. You can shut up fear. You can shut up depression. You know, it's not that bad. I'm not going to listen to you. And I'm going to start listening to this voice over here named Jesus. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just can't help but think that um, God wants us to know that he's for us. 
that we don't have to listen to these voices anymore, that we don't have to be captive. Because that's the thing, fear doesn't just want to be a voice, it wants to put chains on you. Anxiety doesn't just want to be that constant thing that keeps you up at night. It, it, It wants to put you in a prison cell of your own mind. Like, depression doesn't just want to come at you every now and then and just kind of get you down. No, it wants to get you to commit suicide. I mean, like, it's, 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 a, it's a downward slope that you can't get out on your own except for Jesus Christ. And I, I, I just want to take a moment today, like we did last week, treat your seat as your altar. Ask the Lord... Lord, am I listening to the wrong voices? Have I, have, I been, have I been focusing on the wrong thing? Just have the, a candid conversation. He'll be honest. He'll be like, no, man, you've been spot on. Uh, you've been listening to me. You've been sticking in my word. You've been like, he'll be honest with you. But he also might, you know, and, and, and if you're here, I, I think there's a tension already in your heart if you've been struggling with some of this stuff. And God's saying, you know, what, what, what would happen if you just gave it to me? What if you walked out of here free from that? What if you walked out of here filled with peace and not anxiety? What if you walked out of here filled with courage and not fear? What if we walked out of here filled with joy and not depression? What, what, what if? God can do that and he wants to do that. But it starts with just this conversation. God, do what you want in me. What am I focusing on? Because if it's anything but Jesus, it's going to lead to a different destination. Father, I pray right now for your church. Lord, you said 15 times in eight verses. You mentioned us 15 times. Five of those, you said you're for us. God, I pray right now that you will remind your church today how much you love them, how much you want, want to be with them, how much you're for us, how much you, that, that, that you're not condemning us, that you set us free from condemnation, that you set us free from the voices of fear and anxiety and depression. You set us free from the things that so often come against our hearts. And Lord, I pray right now that that as we step into a moment, continue in in worship and song and response to your word, I pray that your voice, what we're listening to, would be your voice. And if if it means that we just need to turn around and pray, if it means that we just need to stand up and sing, if it means that, if it means that we just, we need to sit and meditate in your presence, that we do what you tell us to do. And Lord, I pray, Father, that we walk out of here different than we walked in. That, that, that we walk out free, or on, at least t- on the path to freedom. I pray that you continue this conversation with us apart from this, this place. That, that we continue to listen to your voice. That we continue to focus on what you say about us, that you're for us, that you're not against us, that, that, that you're not condemning us, that you're not coming against us, that nothing can separate us from your love. I thank you, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, 
I'm going to be up here. And I'm more than willing to pray with you. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I would love to make that introduction. He not only died for your sin, but he died as you on the cross, in your place. And then he raised to life to set you free from the power of sin and to give you life eternal with him in heaven so you don't split hell wide open. And if you need a relationship with him, I want to introduce you. If you, if you walked away from a relationship with him, I would love to reintroduce you. But I'm going to be up here. And I, and I can't tell you how to respond, but I think that the Lord is telling you what to do in this moment and how he wants you to respond. So I would encourage you to listen to the right voice and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do.